too is the only way because people talk about success and failure I, I i just think we need to reframe this right success is success mm. fine but failure in business if you are trying if you're trying new things you're experimenting all these kind of things it's not failure it's learning because anytime you anytime you try an experiment like you try something new you're either proving or disproving your hypothesis it's not success or failure. You're either proving, and then great, you get the results from that, or you're disproving, great, you get the learnings from that, you get the insights from that. That's where the whole concept of chasing the insights came from. But there is one way that you can truly fail, and that is to not do anything at all, because that is to give up. And the, you cannot succeed if you don't actually do something, you don't actually try something. So yes, it is a roller coaster ride, but I can tell you this, and this is the thing, I don't believe we talk enough about the mental health issues and aspects of entrepreneurship. Because it is a roller coaster. And anyone thinking about that, you need to be very aware of that. You need to be very aware that you are signing up for days where you're going to feel like crap. But you're also going to be signing up for days where you feel amazing. And this is the thing that roller coaster ride is totally worth it. It really is. Because those, and we liken it to love, right? You don't know true love until you've had heartbreak because you don't know the opposite of that. You know, when you go through a hard time, you know how good a good time actually is. So in entrepreneurship, that roller coaster ride teaches you what to do when those lows on those days where you're really struggling. And then that makes the days where you're really succeeding just seem so much better. It's incredible. So yes, it is a roller coaster, but I'm totally addicted to it and I love it. And I think other people should as well. It's time to shift our mindset from how long it will take to how far can we go. It has never been so easy to connect and learn from each other, sharing our real story and our vulnerability, overcoming our fears, so that we can bring out the best in one another. Connecting and relating help us grow together. Welcome to our special podcast, The Story Behind the Story. Hello, everyone. This is The Story Behind the Story podcast. And today, my guest is, I am very excited about this one. His name is Vince Warnock. Right, Vince? I got it right? Yes, the one. Yep, you got it right. That's the one. <laughs> so check this out, guys. Vince is an award-winning business and marketing strategist, strategist, coach, author, and host of the Chasing the Insights podcast. An ex-radio announcer with over 20 years in marketing, Vince has been recognized by his peers by numerous awards, including being named a Fearless 50, a program designed by Adobe to recognize the top 50 marketers in the world who drive both fearless marketing and digital transformation. So previously, the CMO at Cigna, Vince has founded multiple companies, including the Chasing the Insights Academy, where he empowers entrepreneurs and business owners to make sense of marketing and grow the business they all they have always dreamed of. I am very excited. This this intro alone makes me already pumped here, Vince, because I know today we're <laughs> gonna have a very powerful conversation. Welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I honestly I'm so excited about this as well. This is my uh, my last thing for today because it's uh, three o'clock in the afternoon here, and I start at like two o'clock in the morning, two to three o'clock in the morning. 
but I've been looking forward to this all day. So I am pumped. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to know. So let's start. By the way, before I get started, 2, 3 in the morning, what's happening there? You wake up uh, that early to work? <laughs> How is yeah, it? no, look, I, because um, I, I work from home, so I work here. So I'm always, always at work, essentially. But I have a weird genetic disorder. So I only sleep four hours a night. Um, but it means that I'm there for my clients because most of my clients are in the US and Canada. And being here in New Zealand, um, this is the perfect time of the morning. So I can turn up, I can do podcast recordings, I can do coaching calls, I can do all these kind of things. Because when I wake up, by the way, I don't wake up like most people seem to with ooh, yawn and need a coffee. And then I wake up like alive. And it is super irritating for anybody around me because I wake up and I go, I'm awake now. Let's go do something. Should we do this? Should we do that? And they're like, no, just, just calm down. Let's just calm down. I need a coffee. That's awesome. That's, I'm going to definitely get back into that in the middle of this interview because <laughs> I think that, you know, um, even as an entrepreneur, in this entrepreneurship journey, we create our habits, which, um, yeah, we're going to get into this habit thing, which I believe is one of the most powerful things for entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, but, yeah this is powerful. But Vince, let's get started from the beginning. I want to know the beginning because here the purpose is for us to understand what happened behind the scenes, right? So I want to understand how was your journey to all the things that I just, you know, we just spoke about in your intro. How did all came from? Like, how was your your beginning? Where where you you are from New Zealand? How were you as a kid? How was this this journey yeah. before it got started? In okay, well, journey? once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. No, um, so, <laughs> um, but I I did not have a good childhood. Um, I'll be honest, like I grew up in an abusive household. Um, my dad had issues with drugs, my mum with alcohol, a, a number of different problems. And as a result, um, and, and growing up in extreme poverty as well, as a result, I didn't have many opportunities and I didn't have anyone to really look up to. Like I didn't have any mentors in my life. I didn't have anyone. Like the way my family was structured was simple, right? We had a ton of kids, like we had five, five sisters and a brother. And we were taught from a very young age that anybody that had money, anybody that had success didn't deserve it we totally deserved it they didn't but somehow it wasn't afforded to us at all and that's a challenging mindset to break as you go on in life so so that was what I kind of grew up in it was quite normal for us to be sent down to the supermarket to steal food from the back um, so that our family had food to eat uh, all these kind of things so this was my life um, for most of my childhood until age 11 so up until age 11 Home was a horrible place. School was my happy place. That was the place where I, I didn't have to be afraid. I didn't have to be fearful, where I could hang out with people that accepted me for who I was, uh, and where I learned to respect other people in that as well. But then at age 11, I went to a different school. So we had what we call primary school. So that's, um, I'm not sure what they call that over around other places in the world. But at age 11, I go to a, a school called an intermediate. And that is for two years, age 11 and age 12. And it's like a transitional school between that the you know young school that we're at and what we call college most people seem to call high school so age 11 i find myself at this new school and two things happened to me there that really did shape my life age 11 was a really pivotal key point for me one of them was i discovered i had a bully at school um, and this was a guy who tormented me for the two years that i was there so i suddenly found myself in a position where i had no safe space at all School was not safe for me because I had a bully at school. Home was not safe for me because I had a bully at home. Um, so that was horrible. But the other thing that happened on the flip side of that was I discovered a teacher called Mr. Few. And he was, 
he was an interesting guy. He, he used to try and call me because I was a real cheeky kid. Like I was very smart, very bright kid, very cheeky. And he would call me on that. He did a couple of things I remember. One of them, he was talking about maths and we're going to learn math. And I was like, oh, when are we going to use math in the real world? And he goes, well, and so he said, okay, because Vince doesn't believe we're going to use math in the real world, here's what we're doing class. Um, he got us to study for three weeks, uh, study algebra, simultaneous equations, and trigonometry, which are the basis of the exam system for when we were at high school at age 15. And he goes, and then what we're going to do is we're going to sit a mock exam, and I'm going to grade you on that exam, and you will see how much you need to learn before you go off to uh, high school. So that happened. We learned these things, and then we... You know, we, we did this mock exam, but it backfired on him because a few of us actually passed. In fact, not only passed, I think I got around 80%. And he was like, okay. So recognizing that, he pulled the three of us out of the class when it came time to learn math. And by, he just taught us advanced mathematics. So by the time I got to high school at age 13, um, I could already pass every exam that they threw at me. In fact, the lowest mark I got at, at high school was around 94%, I think it was. So, so that happened. But then the other thing that happened, and this was the inspiring thing for me, was he was talking about doing presentations. And I'm like, when are we going to get to presentations? You'll see I was a very smart kid and I used to use the same argument for just about everything. Um, and he goes, well, how about now, Vince? I went, what? And he got me up in front of the class and he said to them, right, Vince is going to talk for five minutes. Class, what topic is Vince going to talk on? And being the ever-creative 11-year-olds they are, someone yelled out, an egg. And I'm like, wow, I've got to talk for five minutes about an egg. So he gave, he said to me, right, your time's going to start in you know, about 30 seconds. He goes, right, you've got 20 seconds now. Um, so all I could think of in my head, I couldn't think, I couldn't structure any pros, uh, any thought, I couldn't structure any presentation. All I could think about was that stupid thing, which came first, the chicken or the egg. So when he goes, your time starts now, that came out of my voice. And then that flowed to the next thing and the next thing. And my brain went to this different kind of state. I can't really explain it. It's like a flow state where all of this stuff just came out and I was taking people on a journey. And every time I was telling them a story, I'd like pull a string and you could hear them laugh. And then I'd, I'd do another, pull another string and you hear them go, oh, like in amazement. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And we got to near the end of the, the five minutes. And he goes, right, you've got 20 seconds left. And then I wrapped it all up in the last second by going, so obviously the chicken came first. I don't even remember any of the middle part. All I remember is how I started and finished it. And the class erupted and they were cheering and clapping and all this. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? And I turned around and he gave me this look like, you smart ass. Uh, he gave me this look. And then he just said something that had a profound impact on me. He said, Vince, that was amazing. He said, you have a gift and you could do something really significant with your life. And that was the first time I'd ever felt like anybody believed in me. And the first time that I ever felt like I had a future. I had hope. I had something that I could create. Uh, and that inspired me on in a number of different fronts. It inspired me to do better at school. Um, and it also inspired me to uh, take a bit of control of my life. So in the situation I was at at home, um, I got put into a caravan. So we had five sisters and a brother and myself. So seven kids basically in a, I think, two or three bedroom house. We had no room there whatsoever. So my parents decided they found this old caravan. It didn't have any insulation, didn't have any power. So middle of winter, throw Vince out there in the caravan and he could survive. So you'd wake up in the morning and you'd have like ice on your chest. It's not a healthy environment. So I decided this is not good. I need to take control of this. I have a future. So middle of the night, um, my parents still don't know this, by the way, middle of the night, I would go out and I dug a trench underneath the caravan and I dug a trench all the way to the, underneath the house. And I ran these wires that I got from old appliances, ran these wires from the caravan to under the house and tapped into the mains 
So that way I had electricity in the caravan uh, and then covered it all over. So no one was the wiser. It was so cool. So then I also uh, worked out, I had been given, because my father was a truck driver and he did commercial rubbish. And one of the places he went to, they had imported all these personal computers. My dad had no clue what these things were. Like he was a mechanic. He understood trucks. He understood cars and things. He didn't understand anything in my world whatsoever. So he saw these computers that they'd thrown out. They were the old Sinclair ZX81s for anyone who's really old like me. Um, but they were these rubber membrane kind of computers. And they put them in the bin. And he brought them home and thought, oh, these buttons are fun. My son would like to push these buttons. So he gave them to me. I pulled them apart, got them working, put them back together, and then sold them to the parents of kids at my school. And got enough money from that that I managed to buy myself a Commodore 64, which was my dream computer. It's such a good unit. Um, and then from that, I discovered, and don't judge me on this, I discovered my first business, but I had no moral compass. I have to put that out there. I had no one to guide me to tell me what was right or what was wrong. We had you know, a warped family that I was in. Um, so I discovered that all of the software and the games for the Commodore 64 were all on cassette tape, which meant I could copy them. So I started a pirate, <laughs> pirate gaming and, and software ring when I was age 11 and made significant money from that. I actually made enough money to be able to buy myself a TV and a VHS, which was really expensive at the time, a video player, um, a heater so I could stay warm, all those kind of things, uh, and kitted out my caravan. I blacked out the windows so no one could tell I bought all this stuff. Uh, and I learned to look after myself. So that was my first kind of entry, I guess, into entrepreneurship, into realizing that you can create your own destiny, which was incredible. Um, and then fast forward from that, went through um, you know, high school and everything, um, the bully came back to my school, but that's a long story. But I ended up deciding what I wanted to do with my life. I thought, I'm going to train as an electronics computer and software engineer. And I wanted to be the guy that made all the gadgets for James Bond or Batman, because I'm a giant nerd. I love technology and I love movies. So it was going to be obvious for me that that's what I did. Until I realized that Batman's not real and James Bond's not really a valid, you know, there's not no real James Bonds out there. The gadgets they have are very different from what I, was, I would want to build. Um, so I studied electronics engineering, computer engineering, software engineering, and then ended up working in a lab bored out of my brains, realizing that I love technology, but this is not what I signed up for. Uh, and then I realized what I really loved, which was people. It was understanding people. It was understanding my childhood and what I'd been through. It was understanding the people that have been there for me, what inspired them, et cetera. Um, and then over my career, so I transitioned a number of times. I did audio engineering for a while. I worked on radio as an on-air announcer at one of our biggest radio stations here for a number of years. And then I found myself converging together my love of technology and my love of people and their behavior. And that intersection, of course, is marketing, particularly digital marketing. It's being able to use technology to make things easier for people, to make things um, you know, simpler for them, to be able, enable them to be able to buy things online, for example. Uh, and that started the kind of next phase of my career. So from there, I built in, I was going to say built and sold a number of businesses, which I did, but I started by building and, and failing a number of businesses. Um, and then got to the point where I built um, our largest uh, company, which is called Common Ledger. So co-founded that with a very good friend of mine. Um, we built that up over three and a half years to an eight-figure exit. Uh, and then found myself at Signal Insurance as the chief marketing officer. Uh, and I was at Signal for five years. Uh, that was a crazy journey. I think I've said to you, uh, Renata, on paper, everything looked amazing. Like, honestly, it was the dream job. Everyone would look at it. Like, I was paid a ludicrous amount of money, to be honest. Um, you paid all this money. You're there and I'm getting all the accolades. I'm looking, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting the results in the business. We doubled the revenue in the time that I was there. Uh, we went from seventh to second largest insurer. I took online sales from negligible, from nothing to almost half of their revenue. 
Um, and, and it was getting noticed. I won a ton of awards, uh, including, as you mentioned, uh, Adobe recognizing me as one of the top 50 marketers in the world, um, which is amazing. On paper, looks spectacular. Published my first book when I was there. Again, on paper, looks spectacular. But I'd be sitting in my office and realizing I am completely, utterly miserable. And I was really unfulfilled. And, and I felt real guilty about that as well, because um, there's part of me that realizes this is a dream job for the most people. Most people would kill to be in this position. And here I was incredibly ungrateful for it. Here I was thinking, I don't want this job. I just don't enjoy this. Uh, but I realized that the reason for that is because when you're at that level, when you're a C-suite executive, when you're at that level, you basically consider everybody as a dollar sign or a data point. Basically, everybody is a number. And that doesn't sit with who I am. There's that I know that people need to do that, and that is fine. That just wasn't for me. So I made the easiest hard decision of my life in uh, around November, December 2019, started having the conversations with the CEO who thought I was mental. Um, and then January 2020, left there with a single goal, and that was to be a full-time author. It was to write my next book, which I know is going to impact a lot of people. And that got me back to feeling like I'm helping people, which is really important to me. I uh, also realized at that point that uh, when, you, when you have ADHD, uh, leaving a role to focus on one singular thing is not good for your mental health. So that lasted about a week before I was going crazy and realized I need to do more things. So I'm writing multiple books. Um, in fact, I've just published two books at the moment. Um, then launched the podcast, of course. And, and in the midst of the global pandemic was when I found my next kind of calling, which was because all the companies I was dealing with for my book we're all struggling. They're all getting havens. We've got no revenue coming in. We're all got the same overheads. We don't even know if we're going to be around in two months' time. And when you hear that, it breaks your heart. And you're like, especially when you hold entrepreneurship in such a high regard like I do. I think entrepreneurship is a high calling. Um, so when you hear that, I'm just like, I, I can't stand by. I can't, I can't not help. So I asked everyone if I could come alongside them. They said yes, which was awesome. And didn't have a single casualty. Turned them all around and profitable very quickly. Uh, and in some cases, got some staggering results as well. And then I realized I have this really weird, bubbly feeling on the inside called fulfillment. So that was it. I found my new kind of chapter in my life and now absolutely loving every minute of it. Vince, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I actually have, um, actually, through your journey, there is so many things that stand out to me. And I'm going to just give a step back. When you were yeah. actually at school, and you were 11, 13 years old, and um, you were being bullied, and you were being bullied at home, and being bullied in the school, like all the odds were for you to be actually the opposite of what you are. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Because people, yeah. it's way easier to put yourself in the shoes of the victim, like poor me, rather than standing yeah. out from that, you know, from that, and definitely from you standing out from that moment and seeing the greatness and creating the awareness of what you could do that led you to all the following um, events in your life, including being able to, um, how can I say, be so much versatile, like be constantly thinking about solutions to solve problems, which puts you totally yeah. in the entrepreneurship space where you move from the video game thing and then in the software thing and then to your next and next adventure, right? I think yeah. that yeah. one of the things that strike the most people that are starting off entrepreneurship is actually understanding those changes when it's necessary or should yeah. I persist in what I'm doing or should I just go into the next new thing? So I have actually, um, I, I'm going to uh, uh, separate these in two questions. The first one is what was 
your belief change, if you can remind, if you can remember that, probably you will. Um, when you were back then, you know, when you were your 13 year old Vince, and um, you have yeah. this realization that, you know, I can be a victim or I can be the author of my life. What for you was the shift for you to go from one place to the other? That's my yeah, first yeah. question, and then I go to the following. Well, I, I was going to say there's there's two aspects to this right now. Well, one is so at that age, at age 11 particularly, um, age 11 to 13. Um, one of them was just desperation. It really wasn't anything aspirational. It wasn't anything where I'm like, hey, I'm inspired to do this. It was just, I need to survive. I need to provide for myself because nobody is providing for me. I need to look after myself or I will die. It's as simple as that. So that was what went through my head at that age. That and the fact that I was pretty much convinced that I was an alien on this earth because I never felt like I fit in anywhere and was waiting, literally waiting for Luke Skywalker and that to come and save me and take me out into the galaxy so that I can I can save the universe because, yeah, that was a big part of my life back then. But the other point, uh, the other point, which is probably the more impactful one, happened a little while later. And it wasn't until in my early 20s um, where I was, I tried to do a number of different things. I tried to build a business that failed. I tried a new, a different ventures that never really took off. I tried a number of different things and I started to feel like a complete failure. And it wasn't until I, I had a pity party uh, with a friend of mine. And I remember sitting down with them saying, it's not fair. Like I didn't grow up, in, grow up in an environment where I was taught these things. I didn't grow up in an environment where I understood the value of money or how to look after money or how to invest money or any of those kind of things. I wasn't taught the soft skills or even the hard skills necessary to build your own business and things. Yet all these other people have these opportunities and they don't have half the creativity that I do. So I was having this big pity party. And I think my friend was getting a bit annoyed with me because I was so down all the time and just turned around to me and said, look, you do realize something, Vince, do you? that everything you've gone through in life actually counts for something. And that made me kind of start. I had no idea what he meant at first. And then when he finally, when it finally clicked with me, it was a big impact. When he said everything you've gone through, the good and the bad, the stuff that you wouldn't wish on anybody else, the troubles, the challenges, the obstacles, all of these things, I actually count because they have helped to make you into who you are now. And he goes, and I happen to think you're a really awesome human. And I thought to myself, actually, yeah, like I have this incredible capacity for empathy, this incredible capacity to, to make sure I'm looking after other people in that. And that came from not having anyone doing that in my own life and wanting that for myself and now wanting to be able to give that to others. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't grow up in the environment that I had. And then all these other aspects started coming to me, making me realize that all of these things, I can choose how to deal with this. I can either choose to see these as a limitation and an obstacle, or I can choose to go, you know what? These are all stepping stones that help me to get to where I am now, help me into the human being that I am now. And I can tell you now, every human being, even the ones that we don't like, even the ones that really pee us off and really annoy us, there is greatness in every single one of them. So they can choose at that point to either be defined by their background, be defined by the things that have happened to them, or to define how that has impacted them. So, so that for me was the more... Uh, impactful one I can't remember the exact age it was about 20 21 22 something like that no I, I absolutely love your story and um and the thing that um uh, really resonates with me is um and and I think that relates to maybe a lot of people that are getting into into business in in, in entrepreneurship in general is or anything really to be honest the, and this is what was going to lead me to the next question actually is 
Do you think that how things are presented to us by society of what should represent be something or become something is what ultimately can mess around a little bit how we oh, our beliefs yeah. of ourselves? Yeah, this this uh, yeah this this touches on something that I'm really passionate about, which is this definition of success. Because you're right, society paints a picture of what it is to be successful. Um, society says that to be successful, you you have to be married, you have to have kids, you have to have a job that you know brings in X amount a year, or you've got to achieve a certain level or a certain um, you know status within your workplace and things. But to me, those things are just they're they're, they're fake in a lot of sense. And I know this because I've been there. I've been as a chief marketing officer, an organization, a Fortune 100 company. I'm there getting the accolades, getting the, you know, the results, getting all of these things and felt completely unsatisfied. Felt like a failure, not a success, despite the fact that on paper, everything looked awesome. And I realized that part of that is down to my definition of success. And we need to learn for ourselves what that is. We have to come to that conclusion rather than let society dictate that. And I, I remember, um, this was me not reading a situation properly or not, but um, I remember being on a panel discussion one time talking about uh, gender pay gap, right? So we were talking yeah. about this. And yeah. one of the things I wanted to highlight in there is I think this is a really important issue. Um, but somebody said something that really, not triggered me, but they, they said something that really made me kind of stop and go, hang on, we need to talk about this. Because what they said to me was, or they said to the whole panel was, if we don't have equal representation of women on boards and on uh, in the in the senior roles at organizations and as founders and as CEOs, then we are denying someone's success. Now, what I tried to get across to everybody was I agree with a huge aspect of that, which is I believe that boards need to have representation across the board on them, right? You need to make sure you've got good representation. I know because I've been in environments where you don't. Um, I've been in teams and you know with boards that are predominantly female and predominantly male, and they just don't work. You need a mixture of different thinking, of different lifestyles, of different perspectives. That's just fact. I also believe that having uh, female founders are some of the most powerful founders in the world. Like they honestly, they think different to how a lot of guys think. So I think that is a really positive as well. But the thing that I really struggled with there was we are denying them success. And what I wanted to say was, who says that being on a board or being a CEO or being a chief executive, a chief marketing officer or anything like that, who says that that's success? Maybe we've got this wrong. Maybe we need to redefine what success actually is. Of course, wrong time and wrong place to say that kind of thing, realizing I was the only guy on a panel at a women's conference going, <laughs> yeah, I read this entire room wrong. And I just want to apologize for that right now. <laughs> so I had to take back my words. But the point still stands was, um, if, unless that is what you desire, if your definition of success is to be on a board, awesome, do that. If your definition of success is to be a CEO, please do that. But we don't, we shouldn't get success dictated by society itself because I know a lot of people that would rather just be in trenches. In fact, one of my clients is, is working in Peru, uh, working with indigenous people over there, working with some of the tribes and some of the, the villages there that are impoverished and helping them by building playgrounds for the kids and building schools and things like that. That doesn't fit society's definition for success. But I can tell you now, her and her husband are two of the most fulfilled people that I know. They absolutely love what they do. They're so absolutely passionate about it. So yeah, I, you're 100% right. And, and a lot of that's dictated through societal norms. Some of it's dictated through movies, through TV, yes. through all the things that's presented to us in different mediums as well. Yes, no, 100%. And um, 
I think that as we as we move forward in life and we we try different things, um, different jobs, different businesses, we start to I think I think from all of the people that I interview here so far, all of the you know people get that I talk so far. Sometimes I just don't want to share that because I think that maybe they feel like they are sharing a weakness and they don't want to share this. But fulfillment comes with impact, right? Yes. I think we keep. Yeah. I think we still keep chasing the money figure, you know, like uh, money on the back. Of course, uh, being fulfilled with uh, uh, in a in a nice comfort home is better. In a rich, is better. It's better to cry rich than cry poor, right? That's for sure. But but I think it's the chase, right? That uh, that burns out people because in our journeys, especially entrepreneurship. It can be frustrating. It can be um, uh, uh, very, uh, the ups and downs are huge. And this is where I want to tap on next is on all your attempts in your businesses, all the businesses that you tried, all the things that you also said yourself, you consider you failed here and there. How how was it for you? How was this like um, a business, for example, you can maybe share with us a story of a business that you started at failed what for you was failure was because you stopped doing it or because it wasn't really working what was your also discretion to start or stop what you're doing oh my goodness i've got so many stories of this um so uh, and if you want to know what it's like in the early days because it's very different now by the way because you learn as you go along but in the early days anything that you created um, you would feel a sense of identity again. So if I created, so one of the companies I had early on was called Mobile Combat. And this was a mobile game. Uh, it was in the early days where Android phones had just come out. So there was this whole, you're an Apple fanboy or you're an Android fanboy, or you're one of the three or so people in the world that use Windows Mobile. But, it, but essentially you had your platform of choice. And I was thinking, how do we capitalize on this? And we came up with this, I came up with this genius idea. I was like, this is going to be huge. I was going to create a mobile game where you basically had used to kind of like a proximity thing. And it was like a top trunk style game. So you would walk around your town. It would notify you if you're an Android user, it would notify you to say, hey, there's six different iPhone users around you. Would you like to battle one of them? And it's all anonymous, you know, but you, you click on one and they've got their own strengths and their own different things that they're. So you would battle this person and you would try and take dominance. And the idea was you want to take your, your street your, your little community, your city, your, your nation, your, your island, your, your country, all these kind of things. You want to take all of this for your platform of choice. And the reason I thought this would work is because it taps into that inherent kind of um, competitiveness that we have. It goes into the fanboy aspect of each of the platforms where they don't want to lose. But also I could see this working in the press, particularly at the time we had like South by Southwest where everything was about the latest Apple news, the latest Android news. It was all about the competition between the two. And I thought, imagine being the top of that news going, hey, LA is now an Android town, whereas New York is still Apple or, you know, those kind of things. And I thought this is going to be huge. Now, the problem with this is I tie my identity to the thing that I'm creating. So for me, if this doesn't work the way that I thought it would, if it doesn't take off like it thought it would, I would personally feel like a failure instead of defining it as I do now when I create something, which is this is something that I'm passionate to bring to the world, but my identity isn't tied to this. So therefore, if this fails, it's a learning that I can take to the next thing. So for me, uh, one of the things I discovered with mobile combat is I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, First mistake I made was I hired the wrong team, as in some of my team were amazing, but I didn't have the right people in the right roles. Our developer just looked at me with half the stuff I was telling him we want to do, and he just looked at me like, huh? 
like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Um, so that was a big mistake, number one. The second one was outside of my control. And that was because I knew I needed to monetize this. I didn't want people to pay for the game. I wanted in-app purchases, like micro purchases. Uh, you know, you could buy a power-up so you could battle somebody. Uh, but I also want a sponsorship in there. So I approached one of our largest telcos here in New Zealand. And I said to them, hey, do you want to be on board? And they were like, heck yeah. We think this is awesome. We can put advertising in there. This is going to be great. Then they did something that I didn't expect. They went back to Apple and said, hey, just let you know, we're doing this. And Apple went, no, you're not. And they went, what? Apple do not get compared to anybody. Therefore, if you have anything to do with this app at all, we're removing and revoking your access to be able to sell iPhones, which yeah. of course was a big deal for a telco. So immediately, any chance I had of sponsorship from telcos was shut down completely. And then I realized no matter what, I'm going to face an uphill battle with Apple. Uh, and they've got a lot of money, a lot more than I did. So uh, any kind of legal battles was off the table. So at first, that felt horrible. That felt like I had failed. I had misread the market. I had misread the conditions. And I'd done a poor job of hiring the right people. So for me, that was a sense of failure. But then I had to embrace it. I had to look at it differently and actually realize that through that, a lot of good things happened. I built a lot of really solid relationships, which, by the way, uh, made my next business even more profitable because I had all these connections already, um, but also learned about this whole process of hiring and getting the right team on board. So that was really important to me. But the other thing that happened, and this is, this is where things, I think, started to shift in that, that way with me, is uh, when we started that company, we started it in a thing called a startup weekend. So this is uh, where you basically have a bunch of entrepreneurs come together. You have entrepreneurs, you have developers, and you have designers. And they all come together. And there was, a, I think there was a hundred and something of us, 150 maybe, 112 of us all pitched ideas of what business we want to build. I pitched Mobile Combat. Um, they selected 12 of them. I was one of the ones that was selected. And we had a weekend, basically a long weekend to build this business. So I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be awesome. So obviously, I built the business off the back of that, failed afterwards, but we had this big reunion many years later, and we came back, and all of these teams that had formed, were, they were going around the room, and they say, oh, what year were you in? I was in the fifth year. I, by the way, I was in the first year, just saying. Uh, <laughs> people there going, I was in the fifth year, and I created this company. And what happened to your company? Well, we discovered that there were some challenges around that. So we pivoted and we turned into this. And then we pivoted again. And then all my team walked away from me. So I pivoted again. And now I work at McDonald's, which is my latest pivot. And you realize this isn't pivoting. This isn't. And I realized everybody there was afraid to say the words, I failed or I did not succeed or it didn't work. And as we went around the room, everybody was saying stories like this. Like, I pivoted, I changed, I pivoted, I pivoted. And it got to me and I thought, I want to change this. So I was standing there with one of my co-founders. I said, what's this? And he goes, well, and they said, oh, Vince, you know, everyone knows Vince. And I went, hey, I was in the first year. We created mobile combat. And he was like, yeah. And I said, oh, man, we had so much fun. Like, honestly, the amount of uh, meetings, we had a lot of alcohol flowed. We had huge laughs. It was brilliant. And we failed miserably. It was awesome. And the whole room kind of stopped. And then I was like, I doubled down on it. I said, look, uh, I hired the wrong developer, which was awkward, by the way, because the developer was in the room, but he knew that. Um, but I hired the wrong developer. <laughs> I misread the market conditions. All of these things led to us uh, basically realizing that this wasn't going to work. So we shut it down. We put that chapter behind us, but we learned so much from that. And I built these relationships. And now I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And I told them where I was up to. And that kind of released this freedom in the room where everyone went, actually, it's kind of okay to talk about that. 
So the next team after me said, oh, yeah, we failed too. Man, we failed spectacularly. We invested all this money and we had to flush it down the toilet, basically. And, and then everyone going around the room started talking about this as well. And I realized that the challenge we have with those companies that don't work is we don't see these as experiments. We don't see these as stepping stones to where we're going. Instead, we see them as tied to our identity, which means if they fail, we fail. And we never want to admit that because we feel like we're admitting that we're not as good as everybody else. This is so good. Oh my God, this is so good. I think it's when you when you actually say that something didn't work and you say this out loud to other people that yeah. are holding themselves back, it's like if you are giving permission, right? It, it's all right. If if, yeah. or, if it's all right, it's all right to don't, you know, to feel sad. It's all right to cry. Yeah. It's all right to spend money. It's all right to waste money. It's all right to not work in any to, you know, go back, I don't know, into a job if it's is what you know, like it's all right. I think that we 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 want to build this character as being entrepreneurs or maybe attached to our identity that it's like um, yeah. it's this superpower, right? Where actually it's the opposite. I think that by being exposed to the kryptonite, you know, like to the, you that like movies, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? is to have actually having this exposure and sharing this exposure, right? Yeah. And this is going to lead to our, uh, where I was actually looking for touch with you. That is as a, um, a marketing um, a specialist, like a super skilled market, marketer person, uh, marketing, I think, in my per- perception, has the the is like um, uh, in Star Wars that I can see that you like it as well, right? <laughs> has <laughs> the bright and the dark side, right? Has the yes. two sides yeah. side of it. So the bright side is that you can you, you can construct like some inspirational, some amazing impact, and the dark side is yeah. that exposing to people to realities that doesn't really talk to the reality. And make yeah, them believe yeah, yeah. things that are not really true, but they are very appealing and they are very compelling, right? And uh, and before our podcast, we had a chat, me and Vince, and we were talking yeah, about yeah. this subject because these days, especially online, there is a lot of, you know, I think, how can I say that uh, this word is a lot, it's not mystery, but a lot of... Um, of uh, I don't know misconceptions or maybe ways yep. that pe- people put how things are gonna be, which doesn't reflect the reality, and this ultimately yep. disappoints people in their attempt to start a business, to be entrepreneurs, to start to start a yeah to start anything really. Yep. Because as you are learning here from the story from Vince, he came a long way, right? He's from. 11 years old, like it's not from yesterday that he became an overnight, you know, success in here and there, right? It's a process. So please tell me a little bit by your background in marketing. And this is where, you know, is the bright and the dark side. What is your perspective (laughs) um, on these two things? And what what do you believe? What do you think it's being exposed out there, especially in this online space? Since the pandemic, it increased because more and more people are online right yeah. and what are the solutions or what do you think about you know possible ways to to think about this <laughs> i mean, i so wish people could see our previous conversation on this because when i met renata we'd, we 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 started talking about this we got so fired up and so passionate about it because it is this is really important and and you're so right there is a light side and a dark side to this and this is something that through my entire career 
I have been trying to push the light side. Um, this is why, by the way, whenever I play a Star Wars game, I always play a Jedi. I never play a Sith. <laughs> I always choose the light side. Yeah. The light side yeah. But there's a reason for this when it comes to marketing because you see a lot of things out there that are, seem too good to be true. And there's a reason for that because they're not true. They're what we call false promises. And one of the things I'm trying to teach entrepreneurs and marketers is that we have this thing called a duty of care. We have a responsibility not just for the data and the privacy of anyone we're dealing with, because we know that through GDPR, through a lot of the data privacy laws, and through a lot of the, the exploitation that's happened with things like Cambridge Analytica and, and just dodgy individuals doing things to try and manipulate you. So we know we have a duty of care around data and around privacy. Tick, not a problem. But what I really want to get across to people is we also have a duty of care for the information that is going out there. We need to ensure that we have a responsibility to make sure that all of our content isn't misleading, um, isn't misguiding, or isn't manipulating people. And you see this time and time again. We were comparing stories on this, honestly. Um, you see all these things out there where people go, hey, I can teach you how I made uh, $57,473 off of a one five-day challenge. And I'm telling you now, they may have done that. Half the time, though, that's all smoke and mirrors because what they're saying is they made $57,000, but they had to pay $37,000 to their staff and all those kind of things. It's not really profit. But they sell you on this promise. They say, I'm going to teach you how you can make this magic number by doing the one thing that I'm going to show you. The problem with that is you're not them. You don't have their network. You don't have their content. You don't have all of the experience and the failures and the successes and everything that they've gone through. So for you to replicate that is almost impossible right off the bat. What they don't teach you is that actually that one thing is not the one thing. It is one of many that you are going to need to experiment with. You're going to need to try. You're going to need to, to make your own until you find what works for you as an individual. So one of the things I want to do is I want to crush this concept. I call it the silver bullet concept. And you'll see it time and time again. And, and it's epitomized uh, by Russell Brunson and, and the ClickFunnels community. And don't get me wrong, Russell is one of the nicest guys. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, he's genuinely sweet and he's a genuinely caring guy. But I don't like what he's built. And I don't like it for a number of reasons. But the main reason is because of this promise that happens. You are one funnel away from success. You are one funnel away. And this is the mantra that most of the community there say. The problem with that is most of those communities have built multiple, multiple funnels and they still haven't seen the success because they keep thinking, if I just get this right, it's going to lead to this, this golden ticket that's going to unlock everything for me. But the problem is there isn't a silver bullet. It's all about incremental change. It's all about trying the different things, finding out what works for you, consistently trying to improve and get 1% better every single day until you hit that mark. Like Renata said, I didn't start now. I didn't suddenly say, at the beginning of 2021, for example, hey, that said, I'm going to be successful. Ta-da, there you go, I'm successful. I've been doing this since I was 11 years old. I've been doing this and failing, then doing this and succeeding, then doing this and learning, and then failing again, and then uh, having a terrible time there, but then a good time there. And then suddenly, I find that all of this experience culminates to me being able to build something that is uniquely me and can get the success that I need. But we've got to stop uh, and we've got to question a lot of the things that we are being fed out there as entrepreneurs. And as you said, particularly with the pandemic, you see this time and time again. And people I know and like as well, which really irritates me about them because I, I, I feed this back to them. They're doing the whole things. I will help you to get to $100,000 a year and working only three days a week. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're not going to promise that to them because I can guarantee of the 100 people that sign up for your program, one person might 
might achieve that in their first year. But you are sending this expectation to people that it's easy, that I'm going to be able to achieve it. And then when they don't, they feel like a failure because their identity is tied to what they're doing as well. And in most cases, this is the thing that really pees me off. Oh, man, now, now you've pushed the buttons here, Renata. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that really pees me off is, and I've seen this time and time again, a lot of people that come to me to get coaching, they've come from somewhere where they've had a challenge. They, you know, they're, they're doing this thing. They're doing all the framework that the person's given them, and it's not working. So they go back to them and they say, hey, it's not working. What do I need to do? And the coach's response is usually, well, you're obviously doing it wrong. But that's not the case. Maybe it just isn't the right fit for them. In fact, I literally signed a client. Um, she's just a wonderful, wonderful client. I signed a client because she had been around all these different coaches. She'd done all these different things, trying to learn all these things for launching her business. And she'd come off the back of doing a successful launch. She actually did really, really well. But then when she launched her second intake, she had crickets, just tumbleweeds everywhere. Nobody, nobody signed up. She was going, what am I doing wrong? So she went back to the coaches and they said, well, obviously you're doing all this wrong. And she came to me and she said, look, can I get a free strategy call with you? And I said, yep, sure. I do this with everybody. Come and do a free strategy call with me. And I asked her what she was doing, asked her the steps she was taking, asked her all the different things that she was doing to try and fill this program. And she told me everything. And I said, well, do you want the good news? And she said, what's that? And I said, the good news is you're doing all the right things. Now it's just about putting them together to make sure that they actually flow and to make sure you're getting the right messaging in front of people, but you're definitely taking the right steps. She signed with me by the end of that 30-minute call, not because of what I was teaching her, but because I was the only person that didn't tell her that she was doing something wrong because she was working her butt off. She was trying everything. She was taking every piece of information that they gave her and she ran with it. And then when it didn't work, they said, that's your fault, not ours. Instead of going, what works for you? So, oh, man. No, this is, this is, now I feel this like is I great. I can step off my soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this, this is great because I think that um, um, this is the thing. Um, because it's told of the speed that happens so fast, and yeah, you are yeah. doing the right things. The thing is that things take time, and yep. you have to repeat this over time and repeat it again and again and making better and improve, right? What you're doing getting to know better your audience, who you are servicing, the results that you can provide to these people, give the results that you are promising you're going to give to these people effectively, but it takes time. It doesn't happen on your first attempt, right? So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's exactly what I say is little efforts that you are doing over time that are incrementally, yep. that are going to increase compound into the final result, right? Yeah. Um, I actually wrote down here the questions because you were talking stuff that's so good. I love this topic because I think that so many people also come to us with the same perception that things have to go fast. And don't take me wrong. I thought this way once. Okay. I thought that for me it had to be that fast. You know, Mateo, my partner, we do business together. And for him, I think this was the biggest cold bucket of water in his head <laughs> when he realized that things take time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you, I'm sorry, my English here, but I have to suck it up. And if this is something that really touches your heart and this is what you want to do, you have to persist, yep. you have to be resilient, right? And this is what we're going to get a little bit further here about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. But Vince, yeah. why do you think people still believe in those promises? Like, why do you think some people, even though listening to all this stuff, all this crap, yep. they yep. still sign up for this? parentheses they get burned and then when somebody yeah. like yourself somebody like myself somebody like anybody else trying to do the right thing 
don't ever get a chance because they say they are trying to scam me. They are not good people. <laughs> they are trying to sell to me. Why do you think people still sign up for the, the fantasy? I think there's a number of different reasons. Part of it, it depends on the marketing campaign the person's done on them. Part of it is because they just generally don't know. So they sign up because it looks too good to be true, you know. The other part of that is they get caught up in the, the hype of that. They get caught up in this. And what happens when you get caught up in the hype of something, and you'll see this with um, uh, Russell Brunson's a great example. I feel like I'm picking on him today. But <laughs> Russell no, Brunson's a great okay. example of this. When they have a launch drive, you know, all of this activity is happening. They do the one funnel way. Um, are they... Yeah, Funnel Hackers Live, it's called. Funnel Hackers Live events. They do that. Everybody's caught up in the momentum. And then all these other people are signing up for the program. And you're like, I don't want to be the one that misses out. Because all of us have this this need to belong. So for us, signing up means we belong to something. And we we don't want to miss out on that hype. So it's very easy to get caught up in that. But the other reason it happens, and this is probably the more common one, is because our brains are trying to protect us. And sometimes our brain does a very bad job of that. You see what happens. And I had this with um, a client of mine uh, where she was in a really awkward position. She's an awesome woman, an incredibly talented entrepreneur. And she had all this situation happening to her. So she has two kids which have developmental issues. So she was trying to raise her two kids. Her husband um, took ill. He actually had a stroke. Um, so he couldn't work. So she's trying to look after him. At the same time, she was trying to build a successful business. So what is the one thing that she doesn't have at all? It is time. And I remember I would jump on a call with her. She wanted to join my group program, but she just wasn't in the financial position to do so. And I was like, okay, I believe in this woman. I believe in what she's doing. So I said to her, how about this? How many clients would it take for you to sign so you were in a position financially where you would be able to afford this? And she goes, oh, I would need to sign three more clients. I said, great, well, let's do that. I'll work with you free of charge and I will sign you. I'll get you those three clients together. And she went, okay, now we over-delivered. We got her five, which was awesome. And then she vanished, like ghosted me, nothing. I would send messages, nothing would happen. I'm like, I just want oh. to make sure she's okay. I mean, yeah, part of me is obviously a little bit gutted. You're like, yeah, I just put all this effort in and now you've disappeared. But also she's an awesome woman. So I just want to make sure she was okay. And, and then she finally responded to me and said, look, I'm really sorry, but I know that you helped me get these clients, but my old coach came to me and I've signed with them again. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you mean the old coach that didn't produce any results for you before? Oh, that's so frustrating. So I was like, girl. But what happened was her old coach came to her and said to her, I've got this new program that'll help you to be a CEO of your own company. So build a successful company in only three days a week. And so she went and signed up for that program. Now, a month later, she came back to me and said, look, I'm so sorry. I need to book a call with you. And I said, sure. And she was apologizing to me saying, I'm such a, an idiot. I'm such a moron. I should have signed with you in the first place. I said, okay, first of all, you're not. You're not an idiot and you're not a moron. I asked her why she signed up with that program. She told me exactly what I just said then. And I said to her, well, your brain did exactly what it's supposed to do. Because every time I've been on a call with you, you always say things like, I haven't showered in a week or I haven't had a chance to do my makeup or my hair. I'm just a mum and I'm a mess right now because I'm trying to juggle all these things. Your brain saw the exact need that you had and it tried to fulfill that need through what this person was telling you. They spoke directly to your need. They just said, I've got a solution to the one big problem you've got, which isn't building your pro, but your company. It is you have no time. So they responded to that and they signed up for their program. I said, you're not an idiot at all. It's just they didn't deliver on the promise that they gave you. That's a very different proposition. So I think that's what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is 
we have these insecurities, we have these fears, we have these things like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. So someone says, well, what if I can make you that money really, really quick? Of course, you're going to respond to that because that is your greatest need in that moment. You want to be able to put food on the table for your family. You want to be able to make sure that you build a profitable business. Or it may be, like I said, that they say, hey, you can do this in three days a week and you have no time. So that makes sense to you. Or we can do that real easy and you're like, well, that's exactly what I need because I'm really lazy right now because I'm all burnt out from corporate life or from trying to build this business. So I think it's it's not, it's nothing like a lot of people say, oh, it's stupidity. It's not stupidity at all. It is their brains are trying to do exactly what they're supposed to do, which is look after them. Unfortunately, it's responding to people who are never going to be able to deliver on that promise to you, which is why you need to ask really good questions up front, why you need to question any of the messaging that's coming to you as much as that is painful. Um, and that way you make the right decisions. That's a great story. I love this story. Um, and Vince, how would you say, for example, for a lady like this one, for this client that you had, yeah. how can you use the marketing then in the light side, you know, where you are not promising something that you know that maybe works for you after yeah. working 20 years in your business. So now you can work three days a week and earn a hundred grand a week because yeah. you're already yeah. doing this for 20 years, right? Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> But how do you put this message out there in a way that, you know, it still triggers people the curiosity to get to know you and to know what you do, yeah. but you are passing the, the what it takes part of it. Yeah. Is it I, th I think there's two, yeah, there's two aspects to this. One is, um, you can, you, can, you can send hope to somebody without a false promise. And by this, I mean, I've got this with one of my clients at the moment. She builds courses for uh, women. So she helps women to build courses so they can make money. But she's like, Vince, I don't feel comfortable saying to them, I can help you build a profitable course because what if it's not profitable? And I said to her, well, let's break this down. I said, the steps you do, because she's one of the most talented course creators I know. Like she's been doing this in corporate for a very long time. It's very well recognized. But now she's working with entrepreneurs. I said, you know how to build a course that's going to be profitable. And she said, oh, absolutely. And you know what it takes for people to be highly engaged within this course. Oh, 100% Vince. I said, then your promise isn't, I'm going to help you make a profitable course. Your promise is simply, I can teach you all of the aspects that will best position you to make good money off of a course. Or I'm going to build you, uh, help you give all the aspects to build a course that makes people highly engaged, that makes them come back time and time again and refer you and positions you best to be able to profit. So there's a, there's a piece up front where you're not making the promise, but you're explaining to them and being transparent that I will give you the steps that you need and everything you need to be able to achieve this result, but being very clear that they need to do the work in that and they need to find out what works for them. And that brings me to the second piece, which is actually after they sign up. I know this is a little bit different, but one of the responsibilities we have as, as coaches, as trainers, as mentors, all these kind of things, one of the responsibilities we have is to treat everybody as an individual, even in a group program scenario. So in other words, if they sign up for this um, based on what you've told them, you need to be very clear and very transparent with them when you're teaching them as well. And you need to help them to adapt if it's not working for them, rather than go back and go, well, obviously the fault's with you. And I've done this, I've only ever, I say the word fire, it's such a harsh word, but I've only released, there we go, I've only released one person from my group program before, but it was because I realized it wasn't the right fit for them. And what I realized is they were really struggling with this because they had a few mental blocks which were going to cause more issues. So in other words, they, they had clients literally in front of them saying, hey, I want to work with you, but they wouldn't sign these clients because they had this low sense of self-worth and they were going, well, 
They say they want to work with me, but I know they don't want to work with me and I don't want to sign them because I know it's going to be a failure. So what I did was I released them from my program and said, look, I don't want you paying for something that you're not going to get the value out of. I would much rather you take the money that you were going to invest in me and in this program and you invest it in somebody that I'm going to connect you with. And I connected them with a mindset coach that I knew was going to get them the breakthrough they need. But that's the responsibility and the duty of care that we have as coaches. I had one um, a, a woman in the Netherlands, I think it was, she wanted to sign up to my group program and she's the loveliest woman, honestly, she's so nice. But when she's there, I said to her, okay, well, talk me through what it is you do for people. And she spouted off all these words that I don't understand. She said, like, I'm a labyrinth constructs magical nymph that does blah, blah. And I'm like, these are just words that are put together in a sentence. They made no sense to me, but obviously they make a lot of sense to her. I said, okay, well, what does that mean? And she goes, it means that I create a sense of freedom and empowerment for people. I said, okay, well, what does that look like? It looks like beauty and sunshine. I went, okay, well, on a practical level, what do you do with people? I release their fears and their things. So I said, yep, but how do you do that? Through, through unlocking the power of the universe. I was like, oh my goodness. And I tried to get it down to what is it practically that you can do? And she couldn't articulate that. Not because she doesn't know, but because I realized that there was a block there. So what I said to her was, can I um, be bold? And can I just ask you something? And I hope you don't take offense to this. And she said, yeah. I said, when you first started out, because a lot of her stuff is really woo-woo, it's really out there. I said, when you first started out, did you get a lot of people criticizing you or thinking that this is fake or thinking that this is uh, flimsy or doesn't really have any substance? And she was like, yeah. And I said, and as a result of that, do you consistently feel like you have to prove yourself and that you have to give these things complex names, complex names so that people take you seriously and think that this is a credible occupation? And she was like, um, yeah. And I said, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to be able to help you for two reasons. Number one, I don't understand your world, right? I have a lot of woo-woo people on my program, but not to the level that you are. Like, I don't understand most of this. And I would have to learn all this to be able to support you. And that's going to take a lot of effort. But the other thing is you need to work on that mindset block because that's going to stop you from being able to articulate your messaging that is really going to resonate with your target market. So instead, I connected her with another coach that I really respect, somebody that I know is not going to take advantage of her and said, this would be a better place for you to invest your money. That's what we need to do as entrepreneurs, as coaches, as mentors, as, as marketers. We need to make sure that upfront, we're very transparent with people. We're not making a false promise or not a promise that we can't back. Uh, and then after the fact, we need to be very clear with them and be very open and just treat them like a decent human being. Uh, it's so important. Vince, that's amazing. That's a, such a good, you have such a good stories. I think I can stay with you here until five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Hello. You're there? You're there? Yep, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, frozen. Connect, yeah. the connection uh, cut a little bit. No, it, it's, it's such a good thing because, you know, ultimately, as entrepreneurs, we still have to be solving a problem from someone. So it's, it, I, I also say the same thing. I, I totally resonate with you. It's, um, we have to have a tangible solution for a tangible problem. When it becomes too much in the clouds, the person overcomplicates. Um, the message is not there. The frustration is going to be there because nobody understands what you're talking about. Yeah. We don't even know how to price this thing because it's something that, you know, it's not measurable. So it's, yeah. it, no, and it's great. And I totally resonate with you. I think that we have to have more people um, like yourself 
like us as well that just don't yeah. want to see the person working with you just for the sake of being another dollar sign but to give the results yeah. and to move forward and if you're not the fit if i'm not the fit if maria jose is not the fit then they just move on and go to the next step and this is yeah. what um and this is one of the reasons why i decided to get started with this podcast with the story behind the story i think is to actually share with people what happens on the backstage so they see yeah. They see us online, they see you online, they see other coaches online that are looking like, you know, it's like what happened behind the scenes? What, what was the story behind Vince, right? And this is the power because this is where people are going to know you for real, build the trust and know that you can really help them, you know, to get yeah. to where they want to be. So that's, that's amazing. Um, Vince, I, I have so many questions to you, actually. I have one more here that came out of our, our, our bouncing here that is, I think is going to be really powerful for who's listening. That is, what are the signs that you see in a business or in a, in a, in a, or in a business, in a business or in a person, whatever, what are the signs that if somebody goes to you and says, this, this is not working for me and would you would kind of um, determine if it's not a fit and the person should go on or if it's just a question of time. And on that wow. note, yeah. I believe that your experience in different businesses definitely are going to wait in this question. Yeah. I was going to say this, this is actually quite a hard question as well, because um, I've, I've seen this too many times. So a, a good example actually is running a podcast. So I know a lot of people and I coach a lot of people about launching their podcasts. And one of the things that one of the reasons I coach people about launching a podcast is I've seen too many people do it. I'm not going to say it wrong, but they do it where they launch it and then they go, I've been doing this for a month and I'm not getting the result that I want. I'm only getting like 10 people listening to every episode and I'm doing one episode a week. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want to be like that podcast that's, you know, in the top 10% of podcasts in the world. And you're like, okay, well, this is not a short game. This is a long game. So sometimes it's about being realistic and actually looking at what is the expected trajectory we should be on and knowing that actually, and in fact, what I did is I talked to other podcasters. When I launched mine, I talked to them. I said, how long did it take you to grow to where you are? I looked at people that were in a similar space to me. I would talk to them about what were your initial stats? What would you expect here, et cetera? And the common thread I got was actually for the first year, I got nothing, you know, like only an average of, I think one of them, uh, one of the guys I was, I was talking to, he got an average of 34 downloads per episode for the first year that he was in business for this podcast. The second year, he got halfway through the year and that leapt to 50. And he was like, yeah, this is looking good. Uh, a few months later, it was suddenly 100. And by the end of the year, it was almost 1,000 per episode. And then in the third year, now, now he's, I think he's in the fifth year and he's at about 30,000 downloads per episode. But it's not a linear path. And this is the thing we forget. So this is why it's really hard to ask that question because Sometimes it's just looking at, are they on that exponential path? Are they close to that breakthrough? And the way, the way I look at it is I, I look at how much they understand their audience. I look at how much they're testing their messaging with the audience, what's resonating with their audience. Because in a lot of cases, it's just a matter of tweaking that, like just tweaking that messaging so that it really does speak to the emotional and the base need of their target market rather than just all the logical stuff that we normally market on. So if you can actually get into that base need and that, that emotional need within them. So I look at that. And if that to me is, is hitting the mark, if that's getting very close to it, then that is something where it's just about persevering. If they're as confused at the end of that as they are when they came in, then it's time for them to make a change. But the other thing I look at is um, like if they were the coach, for example, 
I and I, I ask this of everybody, for anyone that even wants to sign with me, what I would highly recommend you do is you talk to people that have been coached by me before, because not everybody is going to be right a right fit for my program or right fit for coaching for me. If you're looking for somebody who is going to grab a big stick and chase you around and go, come on, get this all done now, blah, blah, blah. That's not me. I'm supportive. I'm empathetic. I work with people's hearts. I work with their minds. I inspire and I encourage. I don't come in with a big stick. But for some people, that's what they need. So talk to people that are in my program. Everyone's got access to that in my Facebook groups and things like that. Talk to people in my program. Talk to others that know me. Watch one of my free masterclasses. Work out what resonates with you. Test this stuff. See that it works. If it works for you, jump on a call and have a conversation. I encourage everyone to do that. And if you're in a program where you've already signed up for this thing and you don't feel like you're getting the results that you want, then I would be really upfront with them. In fact, I did this, uh, Renata, when I opened up one of the uh, intakes for my group program. Somebody reached out to me and said, oh, I'm in this other program and I'm being coached by this person, but I'm not getting what I want. So I want to come to you. And I went, no. And they went, what? And I said, nope. I said, the first step is you need to go back to them and be really transparent because they may not be aware that you're not getting the support you need. So she went back to them and she said, look, I don't feel like I'm getting the support from you guys. And they were horrified. They're a generally nice couple. They were horrified at this and they said, oh my goodness, well, let's put some things in place to make sure you get the support. That was awesome. A month later, she ditched them anyway and came back to me, but that came to me, but that was because she realized once she got the support from them, this isn't really aligned with me. They were telling her to do things that just didn't feel like they were her. They, they felt like very, very prescriptive and very formulaic. And she's going, that's not my personality type. That won't really resonate. But you got to ask those hard questions and you've got to be really transparent and upfront. Never be afraid to ask those hard questions of anyone you want to deal with. Yes, no, that's a, that was that was a great response. And actually, there is one more thing that I um, I look when somebody comes to me and said, that's it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to give up. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's too hard. It's just too hard. It is. Are you doing this because of the dollar of the end of the day or because this is something nice. that you're really yeah. looking for to do it yeah. yourself right and i know that there is a challenge in there a, a, a very a very um difficult link because of course you need to pay your bills you want to go on holidays you want to yeah. buy a nice house you want to have a car you want to you know yeah. give nice presents to your parents whatever it is for you you know this yeah. is there a hundred percent i'm not taking it away money is not bad it's great yeah i agree <laughs> however when we are working for ourselves like when we are a hundred percent in the edge doing what we are doing it's yeah. a commitment right it's more like a, a commitment with ourselves really like it's uh well that's it that's exactly it and if you and i call it reconnecting with your why which is a overused term anyway but the idea is if you really understand why you're building what you're building you really understand what you're trying to achieve with that Yeah. Then when things get really hard, when the money's not flowing or when things are really difficult, you're not getting the clients you want, reconnecting with that why is the thing that's going to keep you going. Whereas if it was just you're driven by money and the money's not flowing, then you're like, why am I doing this? So it's got to, there's got to be some deeper level to that. And I call that being a true entrepreneur. Um, the ones who are just trying to chase the money, I call them bro marketers or bro entrepreneurs. They're all the ones that are like, I want to buy a Lamborghini. I want all the you know women around me in bikini. It's like, come on, people, that's so fake. Actually, think about what you want to achieve on this planet. Think about the definition of success. Think about what you're trying to impact people with. Yes, 100%. I think that, I, I think that for most people that never, that didn't achieve this uh, financial goal yet, for them, it's just like getting to you that 
you know, you already achieved or somebody else and say, ah, oh, for you, yeah, it's really yeah. easy to say that <laughs> because you already got yeah. there and you already know because you experienced yourself. So kind of, can you please let me experience this first and then we talk about <laughs> it, right? But it's interesting because it is a common, uh, it is a common uh, a thought coming from anyone. Like, really, I think there is no books of entrepreneurs that I've read, no, you know, no people that I followed. Now you're here just having this chat with you that comes back the same thing. Yeah, like yeah. the purpose has to be there. Uh, by yeah, the yeah. way, um, what fulfill us is the impact is not the, you know, is not the money, even though we yeah. need it. But anyway, it's something that of course, you're just going to find it when you are in the spot. Like there is no way it's like saying to a child, right? Don't put your, your finger on the, on the, on the, on the power, right? They're still going to yeah. be curious and do it because they need to experience that by putting the finger there, it's going to have a shock. Adding here yeah. to a rap, Vince, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. What it takes to be an entrepreneur. Okay, three things. Willingness to learn. You always have to be comfortable being the dumbest person in the room. That's my theory, right? You've got to be constantly trying to learn from other people, constantly, and being open to learn from other people as well. Don't be threatened by them. Don't be insecure. If somebody's going to teach you something, I, I get taught by my students. I, I was in a session with my students and, and I was coming up with some messaging for somebody, helping them out with this. And one of the students said, hey, what if you say that? And part of me, part of me on the inside went, damn it, that's better than my idea. Oh, I don't want to admit that. But then I was like, actually embrace that. I said, that is fantastic. That's better than anything I've come up with here. Well done. And they got a sense of accomplishment. We got the right message in front of them. In other words, be open to learn from other people. The second thing is be insanely optimistic. Uh, because honestly, that there are days when you're crushing it, days when you get up and you're like, everything's flowing, the money's flowing, the clients are flowing, I'm getting all this feedback from people, getting testimonies, everything's just winning. And the next day you wake up and you're like, what am I doing with my life? I can't do this anymore. I'm really, really struggling. Uh, on those days, you need to keep optimistic. You need to look at it because optimistic people see the opportunities. That's why op is in that word. You see the opportunities and those opportunities are things you want to run at because they will be the things that surprise you so yeah, be optimistic, be always learning. And the other one is be curious, be insanely curious, not just about what you're building, not just about your marketing, not just about your brand, but about people, understand people, try and get inside their head, work out. In fact, one of the things, you know, this is the, the hardest thing I've ever heard once. Somebody said to me, the best lesson you need to learn, the biggest challenge you need to have is probably going to come from the person you least want it to come from. There'll be that somebody who thinks the exact opposite as you. So you need to be really curious about why does that person have that belief? Why does that person react in that kind of way? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Like actually try to understand them because you will learn so much when you're curious. Vince, I totally resonate with that. And the, and the last one, I actually gonna, I'm going to tell a very short story here. I once have a client that he found... Uh, something that was the opposite of what I was trying to say in one of the, the sessions in my program yeah. as well. And I was, and that was actually what triggered my, my curiosity is like, why would he think this way? Because if he thought this way, probably other people, which are aligned to him, we're going to think the same. Yeah. So we need to fix this. Like if I just play the, you know, press the F button and say, fuck it, this is what I said. That's the ultimate truth, you know? Yep. Um, I'm going to have the, the um, uh, how can I say? I'm going to have the, not the, the, the fear, but I'm, I'll have the risk of taking other people that's, you know, like him, 
will go through the process and go to me and say, I don't agree with this, but like in a hardly way, right? And um, and what it was, I can even share with you because maybe even you can share a little bit of experience, was a script and he thought it was manipulation. Look at that. So there's people that look into scripts and they think that you are manipulating a conversation where in my perspective, a script is to give a framework to a conversation to optimize what you're talking, get it straight into the point and have a clear outcome, period. I'm not manipulating anybody. I'm not saying for you to buy something that doesn't suit you. I'm not manipulating your emotions. You're just making questions and driving the person through a, a framework. Otherwise, the conversation goes, you know, what you did in the morning, what is at night, what's the... You just go all over the place. But he was so yeah, yeah. convinced that was manipulative and that we had used this manipulation on bringing him into the program, which was a big, big BS because we weren't. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's not like this. However, Vince, that triggered our curiosity. Like if he thought this way, probably other people think this way. He's not the only one in the planet Earth that is thinking like this. So how can we frame this in a, in a way that people actually understand what it is? So we just gave a clearer, a clearer introduction to the session than just giving them, this is a call script or this is a DM script, yeah. you know, just follow this and go for it. But making them understand the reason why a script exists in first place giving a better framework. So uh, curiosity, yeah, yeah. definitely, I'm going to 100% support in the whole three one, learner, optimism, and, 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 and curiosity, because yeah, yeah. together, you know, it's, it's again, you see something that's not working in your business or not working in something you're doing instead of blaming, right? Because I could blame, oh, that's him, right? But instead, we actually look inside and said, wow, what did I say that make you yeah, think yeah. this way, right? So yeah, I don't know if you have a case like this one, but this happens. <laughs> this oh, man, happens. I've got hundreds of cases like that. You have a lot of cases? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I bet you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I just, the, the amount of times, even just one very quickly, this is kind of slightly tangential, but um, I just, because I always teach people that they need to use the language of their customers. So they need to always be interviewing their customers. And yet, with one of my customers, I did the exact opposite of that. I turned around and I said to them, um, they had an SEO issue, a search engine optimization issue. So I said to them, like, right, uh, what we've got an issue here. You're not ranking in any of the search algorithms. So what we want to do is I'm going to do an SEO audit, which is called a search engine. I thought I was explaining it well. Search engine optimization audit. And then what we'll do is we'll put together a strategy to get you up the rankings. And they just looked at me completely blank. And I'm like, what's happened here? Do they not hear me? Did, what's going on? And they just turned around. They said, look, there's this old lady. And she goes, look, love. I don't care about any of that. I just want to be found on Google. And that's when I realized, and, and she taught me that I need to get rid of my language, get rid of, and by the way, half the time we use language like that is because we want to sound intelligent. You know, as a marketer, you want the people to know that, yes, I'm an SEO expert. I'm considered one of the best SEO people in the world, blah, blah, blah. And they go, what the hell's SEO? Why is that relevant for me? Actually yeah. using their language and their outcomes and everything like that. I had to learn from my client that I was doing that wrong. So, oh, so important. <laughs> no, it's, oh, this is, this is so great. And the other thing on this, uh, on this list of, uh, of, uh, of things of entrepreneurship yeah. is that um, we are in our first year in this business that we are running right now. So yep. many things happen. It was a roller coaster of amazing, amazing 
amazing dips, amazing ups, you know, it's, it's, it is how it is. And you have to take just how, how you said it's learning, it's being curious yep. and being optimistic about where you're going to. Um, but there is one thing, Vince, that we can't avoid. And this is why I encourage everybody to, to, to do the first step, right? If you don't do the yep. first one, and you know, this today I was having a conversation with Mathieu this morning. And I was telling him, if in January to 2020, actually it was November 2019, I was to show you, or 2020, I already lost a little bit the years because of this pandemic, kind of. <laughs> I have no idea what day of the week it is, yeah, don't worry about that. 2020 already kind of flied, like I don't even remember 2020 because it was so like uh, fast. Uh, if I was to go and show you in an iPad, like everything that happened in 2021, okay, in January, yeah. I go there and see this is what's going to happen in December 2021. Would you, would you didn't start your business? Would you not start it? Or <laughs> would you do it? Well, because it was a, a fucking hard journey. And yeah. th there is a, an answer actually I wasn't expecting. He's, he's saying to me, he said, well, is there an alternative? There is no alternative. Like if you want to start something, this is what you're going to go through. Like there is no alternative. Like the, what is the alternative for you to start a business than going through a roller coaster of things? There is no alternative because this is what is the real thing, right? It's not such a thing as a flat line. Like you, you leave your job and then immediately you, it's just like a, it's just like this roller coaster that is part of the process. So there is no alternative. I think that the, the good thing is to go to the second year and then to the third and then to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, right? And then move, keep moving forward in the journey and then, yep. you know, achieve the results. That's this, 100% it. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't like to work with these people. I need to change here and there. But ultimately, is the values, right? It's what is touching in here. So um, it, is, it is something that if you're willing to do the leap and you are there just waiting for and you have all these things inside you, that's what I say to all, everybody that works with me, everybody I know. Try, give it a go. Yeah. You know, what is exactly. the, I, I still remember this the day that I decided to resign my job to start to all this journey. And I, I, I was in this meeting and was uh, useless. You know, these Zoom meetings with 40 people, nobody had the <laughs> Another camera one. on. Yeah. yeah, you know, <laughs> nobody had the camera on. I think the only person yeah. with the camera on was the, was the manager there of the, of the thing. And I was, I was watching that thing and I was saying, what I am doing here, what a waste of time. We were one and a half hours in this meeting talking uh, nothing yeah. about nothing. At the time I was being seconded for, uh, for a role in procurement and I was just helping them like managing spreadsheets and managing, yep. you know, like uh, uh, literally it, it was like, like planning an event. And what was happening was the offices were shutting down. And they needed to take people from offices to uh, to small offices to bigger offices where they would have hot desks. So what happened is people didn't have their little house anymore in their office, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are people working for like 15 years in the same desk. They have a pretty much a little a little piece of their life into that desk, right? A little castle around them, yeah. <laughs> a little castle. So the picture. So in hot desk, you don't have this anymore. You have to just take a little bucket with your computer, yep. sit for the day, and the next day, good luck, you get the same one, right? So we were dealing with all this crap and now in the problem that people were coming with is oh because I will have a back pain because I have to be stand up actually working stand up is one of the best things that you can do but anyway going back and forth I was I finished this meeting and I said I just 
I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't stand this kind of issues anymore. Like these problems was just the tip of the, 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 the last drip, you know, on the, on the cup. Yep. I went in the corner of the room here where I'm doing the interview with you. I sat down and I, I just asked myself one question. Renata, what is the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Yeah. Boom. Okay. Next I day, I resigned. Next day, I resign. Worst okay. case scenario, you go back, you get a job. Worst case scenario, you move to yeah. your mom's. I don't know. Worst case, you always have a way out. So <laughs> I still remember, Renata, when, when I started Common Ledger, we were, we were building a high growth tech startup. So we knew six months, we would have no, for six months, we'd have no income at all. Right. And we weren't taking investment for that six months. We were building up. We knew we wanted to take a million dollars worth of seed funding and build it from there. That was going to take a six month period. So I remember sitting down talking to my wife. We're having kebabs. Anytime we have a kebab, we always make major life decisions. I was sitting down with her and I said to her, look, I think now's the time I need to do this, which means leaving a really well paying job and, and making the leap and going in full time and trying to build this business. And for her, she thought it was hilarious because she was trained as an early childcare teacher, but had this passion to help people through addictions. So she knew that now was the right time also for her to leave her well-paying job and to study addictions counseling to be able to help the people that she wanted to impact. And I was just like, huh. So we're both sitting there realizing we just meant we're both leaving our jobs and we're going to have no income for at least six months. And it was a comment by Leanne. She just turned around to me and said, but when have we never landed on our feet? And that for me encompassed everything because it was like, actually, that's a good point. What is failure? Failure is just making a wrong decision and then going, you know what? I'll just make a different decision. If we try this and it doesn't work, we'll just try something else. Nobody's going to die. None of you are going to die from being an entrepreneur. Um, well, hopefully. <laughs> so no, I might no, regret that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, <laughs> but, and the impact that you, you never die from the decision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and the impact that you can create by actually putting your skills because then you, you're going to be yep. fully committed to it, right? The full commitment. Yep. I still remember, Vince, when I took I took the 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 second shot of the vaccine, I was feeling terrible. Okay. And I had so much to do in the in my in here in our uh, business. I mm-hmm. came home, had a shower, came here, sit down, start working, and then I said to Matteo, I said, if I was in a job, I would call a sick leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. But yep. when you are there in the, it's like it's it's that's it. Like uh, you have. Of course, I wasn't feeling bad enough to, to work, but and I'm not encouraging people to have don't have breaks as well, but. What I'm saying is that yeah. the commitment is definitely different, right? You are you yeah, are committed sure. in a different level, and this is this is great. Look, I have five questions here that are my closing questions, which are like um, out of the box a little bit uh, okay. for you to give a, a quick response here. Let's here we go, see. quick fire. Yeah, the fire okay. one is for us to get going because guys, I can stay talking with this until like. We have a three-hour oh, I know, by the I way. know. I'm going to get told off from my wife soon because we're supposed to be going on a walk. She'll be like, come on. I'm yeah, like, no, let's go. Let's go. We are heading to the end here. <laughs> okay, let's do this. I'm going to read just before if you want. First one is, if you were to write a sentence on a giant billboard that the entire world can read, what would you write? You are better than you think you are. I love it. I genuinely believe we are so hard on ourselves. We, we treat other people with so much respect and we treat other people so nicely. Oh, hopefully people do. I know most people I know do, but we're also incredibly hard on ourselves. We are way better than we think we are. We are way better than we give ourselves credit for. That's awesome. I love it. This is, uh, this is another good one. If you could spend five minutes with 
I will put the 10 year old version of yourself because the 11 already knew a lot of things. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give to yourself? Oh my goodness. Um, talking to a 10 year old me for five minutes. Um, I would, I would actually give the same advice that that teacher gave to me, which is you actually aren't defined by your past. You're not defined by the things that happened to you. You get to choose how to live your life and you have the potential to do something really, really big. And in fact, I'm from the future and you're going to do something really, really big and impact a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. What is the best advice you ever received from someone? Oh, that is a tricky one. Um, best advice I ever, oh, okay. Best advice I ever received from someone was it's okay to have a bad day. Um, because I used to feel an incredible sense of guilt and shame if I had a bad day, a mental health bad day, a physical health bad day, whatever that was. If I had a day where I just, I didn't feel like I could do it, I would feel really guilty and shameful about that. But what they explained to me is we're human beings. We're designed to have good and bad days. We're designed to have a whole roller coaster of emotions. That's normal. So it was okay to have a bad day. That's awesome. I love this one. So before my last question, please share with yeah. everybody here, where can people find you, Vince? Uh, where they can get in touch with you? Where are you sure. online? I was going to say, I make that really difficult. No, I'm kidding. Um, I make it really <laughs> easy for everyone. You just need to go to chasingtheinsights.com. So chasingtheinsights.com. That is the home of my podcast. And that is also the home of my books. You will see links there to everywhere to connect with me on social. Please do so, unless you're a spammer. If you're a spammer, maybe don't do that. But everyone else, come and connect with me on social. I love meeting new people. But you're also going to see a link on that site to book a free strategy call with me. And if you really want to deep dive into an area of marketing or lead generation or conversion or anything like that where you're going, hey, I'm really struggling with this, let me jump on a call with you. We will go through it. We'll deep dive on it. And I'll give you a sense of clarity. I love it. I would definitely give you a book a call myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it. it. No, you're <laughs> so good. I really enjoyed this podcast. So last one to wrap this up. What is the yeah. impact you want to make in other people, Vince? Oh, my goodness. That is twofold. Um, there is an impact I want to make on this world, uh, which is to entrepreneurs themselves. And that's the main people I want to impact there. Entrepreneurs. I want them to be able to feel empowered themselves, to be empowered and encouraged to be able to create their own destiny, their own future, whatever that is, but just to have those tools and that sense that they can do it. The other one is really for my family. And um, that is, I want to create an environment where my wife and my kids know that they can do anything they want. As in, they know that I've gone before them. I've taken risks. I've tried different things. I've failed here. I've succeeded here. I put myself out there. I'll jump on a stage somewhere. I'll you know, do, do a podcast. I'll write books. All of these things so that they can see that they can do that as well. And then create a safe space for them to be able to flourish and to be able to thrive within that environment as well. Vince, that is awesome. And I'm sure you, you are achieving all these things, if not achieved already. And you keep achieving. Getting there, getting there. there. Yes. Getting there, getting there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This podcast was amazing. I knew that from the beginning. <laughs> um, and for everybody else, thanks so much for listening for this super powerful session. Very inspiring. This is a place where you're going to take action after listening to all these things. There is so much, so many resources here for you to go. Um, so, Never give up, guys, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Vince, very much. Thanks, everyone.